and you ought to be able to say amen to that too. I don't know of anything better that's happened to me than the Lord. We'll be in Mark chapter 5 this morning. Mark chapter 5. Battling a sinus infection. Kind of the way it goes, I guess. Mark chapter number 5. Some of you probably are too. We've got several out sick today, but we've got a good number here. I'm glad each of you are here. Mark chapter 5. He's looking for a dead church today. You come to the wrong place. Amen. You can find a funeral home anywhere. <laughs> We're supposed to be quickened, the Bible says. We're lively stones, according to 1 Peter chapter number 1, or 2 rather. And we get saved, we'll have a little life to us. See, when you get some life to you, you can at least put a smile on your face and be happy about things. So the way this world's going... And all that, I'm glad I've got something better than the world has. All right, we'll be in Mark 5. Find your place and you're able. Let's stand together. So, well, I guess we can stand out of reverence to God's Word. Well, that's one reason, but I was planning on preaching a long time. I wouldn't know. Let you stretch your legs. I'm really not going to. But in Mark chapter number 5, and notice in verse number 21, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and thronged him. Now what happens, this guy comes and he's begging Jesus to come and help him. He said, my daughter's about to die. And he said, I need you to come to my house and help me. I know I've heard of you and you can give us some help. And the Lord goes with him. But in the meantime, in verse 25, there's a certain woman that shows up that's also sick with an issue of blood. And anyway, he deals with her and he heals her. But after he gets finished with her on the way, notice down in verse number 35. It picks back up in the story we was just reading about. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. That's the three inner disciples. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado? We'd say, Why you make a big ado? Why you make a big deal out of this? And weep. The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. So the Lord went in, he took mama and daddy in, that's three, the three disciples, that's six, and then you got the damsel, that's seven. Seven's a divine number, it's a good number. Verse 41, and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi, that's Aramaic, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. I heard a black preacher preach on this. 
And he got talking about that Talitha Kumi. And he said, when the Lord said Talitha Kumi, he said, she woke up, she sat up, she stood up, she ate up. I said, oh. I said that's worth writing down right there now. And that's true. That's what happened to her. But anyway, in this passage, it's a great passage about a man seeking the Lord to come to his house. And he's wanting to bring Jesus home with him because he needs some help. And I'm going to preach on that for a minute, but let's pray. And I'm going to give you a little introduction, and then I'll preach. Father, we thank you now for the blessings today, and thank you for letting us come together. Father, I pray for help this morning. Help me with my voice, and help me with my memory to remember the things that I study. And Father, I pray your spirit might move freely and help people today. Lord, I pray if there's somebody that needs help from this sermon, that they would get it. Lord, I don't want to preach to bring attraction to me. I want to bring attraction to you. And Father, I pray if there's anybody lost, that they might be saved. We want to thank you for sending Jesus to save our souls and for dying for us. Bless us now and help us, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Now, when Jairus came to the Lord, Jairus was a religious leader. And the religious crowd, they didn't believe in Christ. They didn't like Him. And let me just give you a little side note. They still don't like Him today. The religious crowd doesn't care anything about the Savior. But when trouble comes your way, you're going to need more than just to have a religion. What you're going to need is a relationship. Now, that's what's wrong with people. They don't have a relationship. Maybe some of you this morning, you don't have a relationship with them. And what you need to do is you need to invite them into your house today and ask the Lord to go home with you. And I'm telling you, He can change your life. If the Lord came to some of your houses, He may not like what He found. As a matter of fact, if He started going through your home this morning, there's probably some things He wouldn't like. You say, what should we do? What we ought to do is do some house cleaning. I mean, if there's anything in your house that would offend the Lord, we ought to get rid of it and take it out of our house. We ought to get rid of it. We ought to make sure that whatever is in our house is friendly towards our Savior. I'm not going to tell you what those things are. The Lord probably will tell you, and He can show you, and you can figure out what they are. But some of you might need to do a little house cleaning, a little spring cleaning today. Jairus was a religious leader, uh, but the Lord never been to his house before. And it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. This guy's a leader and he's over many people, religiously speaking. And no matter what you're going through in your life, I don't care who you are or how big you are, you need the Lord to come to your house. You might go to church every Sunday, but you still need the Lord to come to your house. There's a lot of people that come to church on Sunday morning, but they live like the devil on Saturday night. And what I'm saying is, we ought to invite the Lord to our house. We shouldn't just come to church and say, boy, I feel better now, and pat ourselves on the back. We ought to take Him home with us when we go home, is what we ought to do. A lot of people may read their Bible every day, and that's a wonderful thing, but you ought to bring the Lord to your house. Some people may spend time in prayer and, and pray and talk to the Lord from time when they need help or something. But it ought to be more than just a little prayer here and there. We ought to bring Him to our house. We need the Lord in our house. Some people may appear to be religious people, and maybe they are religious people. But there's many times religious people, just like this religious man, had never brought Jesus to their house. And what you need to do today is bring Him to your house. Now, I found in this passage, in verse 22, that this man was a ruler. The Bible says, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. He was a ruler. See, it doesn't matter how big you are. When trouble comes, He will drive you to His feet. The Bible says that He saw Him and He fell at His feet. 
I don't care if you're a big shot in town. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what your education is. I don't care what your background is. When trouble comes your way, it will drive you to his feet is what it'll do. That's what it did to Jairus. He went straight to his feet. And I noticed something else about it. It said in verse 23, And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she may live. It doesn't matter how big you are. When trouble comes, you'll pray. People say, well, I'm just not a praying person. The wrong, the right thing hasn't happened in your life yet. But when the right thing happens, you'll become a praying person and you'll talk to the Lord. I'm telling you, when God pushes the right button, things will change and you'll drop to your knees and you'll talk to Him. But say, I'd never talk to Him. I'll never forget September 11th, 911. September 11, 2001. I'll never forget that day. People were gathered together. They showed Congress out on the, on the Capitol steps singing America the Beautiful and holding hands in prayer. My goodness, they hadn't done that in a long time, have they? I mean, I remember people were coming to church I hadn't seen in a long time. Never seen before. They were scared. They were worried. People were panicking. And what it did is they began to pray and prayer meetings were all over town. And not only all over town, but all over our country. You say, what happened? Trouble came. Let me ask you this. If trouble comes to your house, would God hear a strange voice or would He hear a voice that He's used to hearing? Sometimes He hears strange voices. I know something else in verse 24. And Jesus went with Him and much people followed Him and thronged Him. You say, what's that? Well, what it means is if you'll come to Him, He'll go with you. The Bible says, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. And that's a good point. People say, well, I'm just... I just wish I was closer to the Lord. You're as close as you want to be. The Bible says draw nigh to Him and He'll draw nigh to you. He hasn't moved. It's you that's moved. Man, draw nigh to Him. Get near to Him. Draw close to Him. If you come close to the Lord, He'll get close to you. That's all He's asking you to do. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about bringing the Lord home with you today. And I'm going to preach a message on what happens when you bring Jesus home. Because when you bring him home, some things are going to happen like you wouldn't believe. You say, like what? Like verse 35. Notice what it said. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? My goodness, he got the Lord and he said, All right. He said, Lord, I need you to come home with me. The Lord said, I'll go with you. And boy, they're walking away. He said, man, I'm in trouble. I've got to have help. He said, it's all right. I'm going. About that time, somebody steps up and says, oh, don't you bother him. Just leave him alone. Your daughter's dead. She's dead. She's dead. There's nothing that can be done. You can go sit down. You say, what do you mean? Amen. You say, she's dead. She says, don't bother him anymore. Don't trouble him anymore. Your, your master, he's dead is what he is. And anyway, I think about that and they talk about him being dead. And you say, what is that? Opposition will come. See, when you get ready to bring the Lord to your house, you'll find that there will be opposition. There's always opposition when people try to bring the Lord home. Somebody won't like it. He said, don't trouble him anymore. Man, he was taking him home with him the first time he'd ever been to his house. And he stopped him before he could even get there. Some of you might decide to take him home today. i got bad news for you. You'll have opposition. You may have opposition before you even leave the parking lot. You never know what might happen. There will be opposition. I guarantee you the devil doesn't want you to take him home today. He doesn't want him to be at your house. He wants it to stay just like it is. He wants husband and wife chewing each other out and on each other every day. Nobody happy. On the brink of divorce. Problems going on. 
financial problems, worries. This one wants to do that, and that one wants to do that. Kids that won't listen to anything you say, living like the devil. He wants it to stay exactly the way it is. But what you ought to do is make up your mind, opposition or no opposition. I'm bringing him home today. You say, how come? He is the one that can fix things at home. He can take care of it. You may have opposition from family. I don't know who these people were, but the Bible says that they came from his house. They came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. Certain which said, thy daughter is dead. The opposition came from his house. It might have been family. I don't know. It doesn't say for sure, but they'd been over at the house. It might even be your parents that give you opposition. God forbid. I hope that it wouldn't be. We've had children come to our church and come and get saved. And boy, they were so happy. And they'd go home and they'd bring the Lord home with them. And they were so excited about being saved. And they'd say, Daddy, Mama, guess what happened to me? I got saved at church today. I'm so happy. And they said, why, you blank anybody and cuss them out right there. They say, you're never going back to that church again. How dare you? You say, what's wrong? They didn't want the Lord in their home is what's wrong. Shame on you if you'd ever do that to your child that wants to serve the Lord and follow. Say, I don't like that kind of preaching. Neither does the devil. I'm telling you, God wants to be in your home. Thank God for kids that love the Lord and want to do right by them. You ought to encourage them and you ought to back them up. And when they get saved, you ought to let them get baptized. You ought to go around. I've seen well, I'm just not going to let my child get baptized. You'll answer to God for that someday. You're going to stand before the Almighty God and you're going to give him a hand. He say, now why wouldn't you let your child do what I told him to do? It's going to be something. I wouldn't want to be you that day. You say, what will happen? There will be opposition from family. There might be opposition from your own spouse, God forbid. They might be against it. Your own spouse might not like it. We was down there in Hoxie a few years ago and I knocked on this door and we was just inviting people to church. And this nice lady came out, and this old way down in Hawkesbury. She's really nice. And she came out, and I began to talk to her about church, about the Lord. She wanted to hear about the Lord. And anyway, I said, well, I'll tell you about the Lord. And I said, I've got a Bible and a gospel track here. Let me tell you all about it. About that time her husband came out a side door around. He said, get off this property. We don't want you. This lady here, she had just as much right as he did. She's grown. And anyway, and she wanted to know about it. He said, get out of here. He said, we're going to hell, and we're glad. I thought, man, I wasn't there being mean. He said, I'm going to hell. And he said, we're going we're gonna to go down there. And he said, we're going to have a party and drink beer down there. He said, now get off our property. And I thought, you know what? I shouldn't have done it. But I, don't, I just don't like threats like that very well. I just walked over to him. And I said, let me tell you something, sir. I said, hadn't you heard? He said, heard what? I said, the party in hell has been canceled. He said, really? I said, he said, what? for what reason? I said, due to the fire. Amen. <laughs> There's no party in hell. And then I left. You say, how come? It's his property, but he needed to be told that. It didn't hurt him. But hey, there's nobody down there drinking a beer, having a big beer party in hell. You're not going down there and doing something like that. What you ought to do is come to the Lord. Hey, how dare you? Shame on you if you would stop your spouse from coming to the Lord and receiving him as their Savior. What a wonderful thing that would be. We need to bring him home with us. See, you might have opposition from a family. You might have opposition from friends. These people may not have been family. They might have just been friends that were concerned and over. And then at the house, then their time was coming. But if your friends don't like him, you know what you need? You need some new friends is what you need. You need to trade your friends. I mean, your friends, they want you to keep on living the old way and running around with them and doing the... I don't know, I remember. I had some of those friends. They didn't understand when I gave my life over to the Lord and started trying to live right and do right. I'm not perfect, but I'm telling you, I tried to make a lifestyle change. They didn't understand. They wanted to keep on doing the things that we used to do. And something inside me wouldn't let me do those things. You might have opposition from them. 
And by the way, the best friends I've ever had are right here in this building today. I've got the best friends in the world right now. Right now. Man, I've got more friends since I've uh, gotten a ministry, become a preacher. We had that baby. I couldn't tell you how many states people sent me a text or something or a call from states and other places congratulating us about that baby. Friends that we have all over the United States. It's amazing the way it is. You say, what's that? Only because of the Lord. I'll tell you something else. You might, you probably get opposition from the world. I mean, if you bring Jesus home with him, with you, you're going to find that you have opposition. The world has no use for him. They don't care for him. The world doesn't even like what we're doing today. They don't want things like this going on because it condemns them. It bothers them. As long as you go to church and you believe in God and you keep God in your life, it bothers them because they don't want to believe in God. And they want to pretend there is no God. But you can pretend all you want, but God is real. There really is a God. I'm telling you, you need to bring Him home with you. But there will be opposition. I found something else out about it too. Notice what he said in verse 38. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult. That's a big commotion. And them that wept and wailed greatly. I believe that when you bring Jesus home with you, you'll find that others need Him too. He wasn't the only one upset. When He got there, everybody there was weeping and crying. And they were upset. Bad things were happening. Everyone in your house has a need for God in their lives. Everybody in your house needs Him. Usually whatever problem's bothering you is usually affecting someone else too. There's usually somebody else. You're probably not the only one going through what you're going through right now. I don't mean that to take any steam away from you, but what I'm saying is that your family, if they love you, if you're going through something, they're going through it with you. They're going through hard times. And it's not easy for them either. And if, you, if you're having problems at home, then there's probably other people having problems at home. But let me encourage you this morning. If you take the Lord home with you, help is on the way. Hey, you've got help on the way. The entire family could get help today if you brought the Lord home with you. Oh, when you leave out of this place, you ought to say, I'm taking the Lord home with me. I'm going to change my ways. I'm going to do differently. I'm going to start living for God. I'm going to let them know that I'm a praying person. I read my Bible. I'm going to change some things at home. I'm telling you, God might do some things. If folks at home, well, they need Him just as much. You know what? They're not here. You say, why aren't they here? I don't know why they're not here. But they're counting on you and they don't even know it. For you to bring Him home. You're here. You can get a hold of Him today. Bring the Lord to your house. Get Him involved in things. So they may not like it. Oh, they might not, but they might. It might help them. I found that when you bring the Lord home with you, that there's others that have the same need that you do too. They really do. I couldn't begin to name all the people that's been in our church through the years, that's testified. Well, if my wife hadn't gotten saved, I sure would have never gotten saved. I know one thing, I was living like, oh, Brother Buck and Sister Bonnie would sit there and Brother Buck would testify. He'd say, well, if it wasn't for Bonnie getting saved, he said, I was drinking and carrying on. He said, I was the hardest person to live with. He said, she got saved. They kept witnessing to me and kept talking to me. And he said, finally, he said, I got under conviction. I couldn't take it anymore. And he said, because she got saved, I got saved. See, that happens many times. There's some of you because your spouse got saved and you trusted Jesus, your Savior. The other one got saved. You say, what happened? What happened was simply you brought Him home with you and because you brought Him home, other people got help. Others did. You can get some help. He can help the whole family. Is what He can do. I think about kids. We've had kids we take to church camps. 
I just don't want to see him like he is church camp. We'll just be a spiritual deadbeat then. <laughs> Man, we have a good time. Those kids get something. We took, a, we took a little girl to church camp one time, and she got saved. And boy, she came back, and I went to her parents, and I said, yeah, we, you need to baptize her. They were out of church and not living for the Lord. Good people, they're just out of church. And anyway, and they said, go ahead. And they come, and they saw her get baptized. And they say, you know, they, they come, they said, this, we like this. And they come back the next Sunday and the next Sunday. And they kept coming and come to find out they'd been saved but never been baptized. And I baptized the whole family. And then the other little girl got saved and she got baptized. A little bit later, the Lord got a hold of that guy's heart and called him to preach. And then he surrendered to the ministry. And boy, he got in and started serving God. Now we ordained him and sent him out. That's Brother Randy Bailey. And we sent him out. And boy, he's pastoring a church, running 150 people every Sunday. Started about 50 people. Boy, they're growing and doing good. Baptized 100 people or more probably up there. I mean, God is doing a work. You say, what happened? Just because a little girl went to church camp and she brought the Lord home with her. And when she brought God home, I'm telling you, a whole family got in. It changed their life. He quit his job. He got in the ministry. He did what God called him to do. I'm telling you today, if you'll bring Jesus home with you, you'll find that others need him too. Let me say one last thing. I told you I wouldn't preach long. I'm just, preachers think that to preach a certain amount of time. I preach till I'm done. I'm done. If I'm done early, I'm done. Notice what, but we're going to see some moves here in a minute. Notice what it says in verse 39. He said, and when he was come in, he saith unto them, why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. What he meant was, she was dead, but he was about to raise her from the dead. And she was sleeping in that sense. She wasn't dead permanently. Let me say, when you bring Jesus home with you, you'll find that what you think is really big is really just small. It's really a small. What might be big to you will be small to him. And it will be a big thing to you, but it won't be big to him. And let me just say, verse 39, look at that. And when he was come in. Now, I could stop right there and just throw a fit. You say, what was the turning point? And when he was come in. That was the turning point. It turned when he came in. As soon as they brought him in the house, the turning point had taken place. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you remember when he came in at your house? Do you remember the turning point? I'm talking about when the Lord entered the house. I'm telling you, man, that's praise God. That's preaching time right there. I mean, when the Lord came in, that's where it all happens. Brother McFadden preached for us last Sunday night. And anyway, I like to have some of those older preachers because they do a good job. they got so much wisdom. And not only that, it's sentimental too because he was uh, our pastor when I was a baby, when I was born. And and we, uh, my folks moved down to Portland, Arkansas and bought a farm. They was, uh, Rice and soybeans and all that kind of stuff. My dad and his brother and them. And they went down there. And they only lived down there four years. And that, that happened to be where Brother McFadden was at the time. He's from Missouri. But he was pastoring in South Arkansas. And my daddy and mom, they didn't go to church. And my dad said he didn't even believe in God for a while. And he started thinking, well, there must be something to it. And he said, and he prayed and he asked God. He said, we need to get in church. And Lord, if you're real, show yourself. And he said one Saturday afternoon, he said an old Baptist preacher named Kenneth McFadden showed up at the door and knocked on the door. He said, hi, folks. He said, I'm the, I'm the pastor at so-and-so Baptist church. I just thought I'd come down here and invite you. And my daddy said, you may not believe this, but he said, me and my wife have just been talking about trying to find a church. You know, we would believe it. That's how God works. See? I mean, if you get serious about it, start praying, God will send somebody your way. 
in any way. From that conversation, they began to go to church and they started going to church and both of them got saved. And you know what happened? Our house changed from that point on. I mean, when the Lord came in the house, our house was different from that point on. From that time on, my people, my family started going to church. They weren't going to church before that. But they started then. You say, what happened to them? The Lord came in the house. Hey, from that time on, my family started praying before meals and at night and in the morning. They started spending time in prayer. They didn't do that before then. You say, what was the turning point? When He came in was the turning point. I'm telling you, when the Lord comes in the house, boy, I grew up and the Lord saved me. And when I got 23 years old, the Lord called me to preach. You say, how come? Because the Lord came in the house. Had He never come in? Had they never allowed Him there? Had they not brought Him home? I wouldn't be here today. I can tell you that right now. The Lord's changed some things. I remember when He came in our home. You say, well, who's home? My family's home right here. I remember He came in our home. Uh, when we moved here in 2001, we're not the same family as we was in 2001. You say, well, obviously you got kids now. Well, yeah, I got three of them. We didn't have any then, <laughs> but and that's true. And I'm not saying we weren't living wrong or doing wrong. I'm not saying that because we weren't. But there's just a difference. But there came a time in our life where we just decided that the Lord was going to be in our house, and we don't do things we like we used to. What I'm saying is we sold out. That's why some of you I get after you all the time. I say, why do you miss church for this trivial stuff? Why do you do that stuff? Why don't you just sell out and get in all the way? Because I want to sell out. I've seen what it's done in my life. But yet, people just don't get it. They just chase everything all over the world. I don't understand that. Man, church ought to be the biggest thing to you every, every week. It ought to be a big deal to you. Just sell it. I'm telling you, the last three or four years, our family has changed big time. I'm telling you, I can tell I've changed as a person. I'm telling you, I've gotten closer to God. I'm not where I need to be. I'm not saying that. I'm not anybody. I'm not, I mean, God's done wonders. When I was 21 years old, I don't say this bragging, I was basically a millionaire and I was 21 years old. You say, oh, yeah, you, but you say, what happened? God called me to preach. I don't have none of it. I'm a hundred heir some days, amen? <laughs> Every once in a while, I'm a thousand heir if I get anything back on my taxes or not. You know, I don't, we don't got any money. We don't even own our own home. I mean, <laughs> that's crazy, you know. You say, what'd you, I gave it up. You say, why'd you give it up? Because I had something better. The Lord came in the house. There's something bigger. There's something better than that. I'm telling you, I've been on both sides. This is the best side right here. When you bring Jesus in the home, you'll find what's really big, what you think's big, is really small. I mean, he said, I know you've lost a loved one. But he said, don't you worry. He said, I can raise the dead. <laughs> he said, I can help with that. Let me tell you, if you've lost a loved one, I've got good news. One day the Lord's coming back. And when He does, the graves are coming open. You say, how do you know that? I've read the Bible. My grandma and grandpa, their body's coming up. Now understand. When they died, they're with the Lord right then. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But still, that body's coming up according to the Bible. I mean, there's a good day coming. They're not going to stay that way. One day, they're coming up. I realize people might go through difficult times. Some of you are having hard times right now. You're going through some bad things in your life. But let me just say, there's a better day coming if you bring the Lord home with you. I mean, if you bring the Lord home with you, He can help you. He can make your big problem look like a little problem. It's not big to Him. Turn it over to Him. He can handle your problem. It's nothing for Him. The Lord can help it. I know it's in verse 40 it says, and they laughed Him to scorn. Those people laughed at Him. See, the lost crowd's laughing right now. But you just hang on. Because <laughs> one day they won't be laughing. I'm telling you, He's coming back. And when He comes back, there will be no more laughing. 
And they'll say, my goodness, we should have sold out like the, those Christians down the road. We should have just got in all the way. I'm telling you, if you get in, you'll never regret it. What you ought to do, husband, listen, men, most Baptist churches, if you turned a man-eating lion loose, he'd starve to death. <laughs> well, we need some men today. Listen, men, what you ought to do is say, we're bringing the Lord home to our house. That's your job. It's not your job to just boss your wife and be that one. But it's your job to spiritually lead in a spiritual sense to make sure the Lord is in your home. And that way, it's right. And let me tell you something else, you ladies. If your husband's not in on that, you ought to just say, I'm bringing the Lord to my house. I'm going to bring him to my house. You say, you're an adult. You can do that if you want to. Bring him to your house. And some of you kids, you can say this morning, say, I think I'll bring the Lord to my house. Why don't you just bring him home with you today? Why don't you just make up your mind? Make him Lord. Don't just make him, don't just ask him to save you. Make him Lord in your house. That's the difference right there. Sell out to it. Anything that's hindering you from serving him, get rid of it. That preacher that got told that guy, he knocked on that guy's door and he said, uh, don't you ever go, why don't you go to church? He said, well, he said, I guess I just have an ox in the ditch. And that preacher said, well, I sold my oxen a long time ago. Some of you need to sell out on the oxen today. <laughs> get rid of it. And God will bless you. Let's stand together. I hope you bring the Lord home with you today. If you've never been saved, how about today? Today would be the day to get saved. Trust the Lord as your personal Savior. That's the first way to do it. I was saved by asking the Lord to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I believe He died for me at Calvary. He died for you too. They buried Him. But on the third day, He rose again. We're going to celebrate Easter two Sundays from today because of the resurrection of Christ. You can call on Him and ask Him to save you this morning. But if you're saved, won't you take it the next step and bring Him home? Change your life. He'll change it for the better. Let's pray.